You have to find top performers. It's a struggle, right? It's a struggle to build these teams, but you can't give up. You can never, ever give up that you won't be able to attract good people. And I always say, I have. I mean, I've been able to attract good people, but believe me, and it's been really hard over a lot of years. So therefore, it is not impossible and do not have negative self-talk around that. It just means you got to work harder, go through more people and scale up. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. I'm Molly Nolan, your episode host, back for another chapter sneak peek of Kevin Nolan's soon-to-be-released book, Organizational Muscle, a personal account of the business he has built since 1979, detailing the lessons learned, strategies made, and insights for building and growing a strong business that endures. Kevin's been joining us on the podcast, sharing sneak peeks of chapters, within the book, and today we are talking about compensation. We cover the gamut on this topic, from the approach on the compensation model and how it's evolved over the years, Nolan Painting's take on overtime, pay for performance, top performers, and deferred compensation, as well as the impact and power of transparency across the payroll ladder. Kevin's book will be released early fall of 2023, Follow along on Instagram and Facebook at the handle Org Muscle for updates, book content, and tips. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. All right, Kevin Nolan, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I am doing well. I'm excited to be back talking about organizational muscle. I've uh, seen you bet. the book goes to print tomorrow. Whoa. Yeah, that's exciting. And we are recording this podcast very close to its release date. Um, so when you're hearing this podcast, it'll um, be out. It'll be well, this podcast, the, the, you'll hear this podcast and the book will be currently printing. Oh, printing. It'll be printing. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. When is the actual release date? Have that Has that come to? Well, it's always been September 1st. And of course, we're well in advance of it. I'll have them in hand before that. But it's nice. official September 1st. We're going to start fulfillment. <laughs> good deal. Good deal. And for those who have been following you with the blogs and now the social media presence, the, the wheels are turning, Kev. Things are happening. Well, there's a lot going on. And actually, you know, writing the book was um, a totally new experience for me. Um, and now promoting it um, is entrepreneurial. Again, like how do you promote a book? Right. And that's that's fairly entrepreneurial as well. So it's really a lot of fun. Um, it's actually more fun than writing the book because that had a lot of pain involved. But yeah, uh, figuring out how to promote the book marketing wise. I have a new website coming. I've been doing a lot on social media. I'm going to hopefully do some speaking. I've hired a speaking coach. So I um, I have a lot going on. Um, in the promotion of the book. So I'm excited. And uh, so September 1st, it'll be available, um, hopefully soon thereafter um, on Amazon. Love it. Kev, one could argue you always have a lot going on. And I think it's because you just constantly find new projects. I create trouble? No, I don't create trouble. Yeah. Well, you know, I find that if I'm idle, I even mentally even idle, I start to, um, I don't want to say depressed, but I, yeah. I I need to be I need to have projects in order to um, 
to basically keep myself moving forward all the time. And mm -hmm. so, but you're always evaluating whether how big a project. <laughs> right. Yes. There, because the project sizes do vary. I've and I see a big one. Yeah. This this is certainly a big one. Um, so for those folks who have listened to the previous episodes where we have referenced organizational muscle, you'll know that these episodes are sneak peeks into the chapters that are coming. So in the past, we have hit the marketing chapter, we've hit the hiring talent, the problems, changes, and continuous improvement. And today we're talking about compensation, which I know for a lot of folks is an interesting topic. There's a lot of opinions on this topic. Everyone kind of wants to know best practices. Um, and it, it it's a major part of a business success from a lot of different angles, from recruiting, from um, you know the financial health of, of the company. So we're going to dive into talking about compensation in your world and how it's kind of evolved over time in your approach to the model. Yeah. How's that sound? It's such a big deal. I mean, it's such a big deal. I wrote a whole chapter on it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, money is a big deal. Um, sure is. I, I try to downplay it, and I'll talk about that in a minute. I try to downplay it in the sense that I don't want that to be the driver. Mm -hmm. Like money should not drive people. It should be something else. But money has to be there to reward and to uh, create that lifestyle that people have to be able to be driven to do other things. So like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you have to take care of security and safety and food and water before you can get them to move up the ladder and like embrace values of a company and things like that. Right. Um, so that's why it's so important to get it right. Because if you don't get it right, it, people think about it too much. And we'd rather have them uh, think about goals and vision and culture. So let's get the money right so that we get that taken care of. So they're all good and happy there. So they can then uh, do great things in your company. That's my approach. It's always more or less worked. And when someone led with greediness, meaning I want more money, I want more money, I want more money. I almost immediately decided they weren't a good fit and decided I wasn't going to surround myself with people like that. Um, well, as I think that there's a difference between, I mean, obviously, you know, when we think about what drives people, um, it, it it's okay for people to be financially driven so long as it's tied to being goal driven, right? Versus I just yeah, and and value driven and right. some of those things because yeah, you're, I mean you're absolutely right, and I don't know whether we'll touch on it or not, but you know I have seven salespeople, and uh, you know they they're different they're different altogether, and they are driven by money, mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, and they all also driven by the team and the company and the, the, the goals. Um, but I often joke, you show me a salesperson that is not concerned about money and I'll show you a bad salesperson, you know, just somebody who's not like I am the target. Oh, totally. In case it's sales, which is, which turns into revenue. So correct. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No blanket statement there, but still, once again, you know, greed is money over everything. And that really can't be, that can't fit. be your top value. So no, so really yeah. your whole approach to compensation in the workplace, has it evolved over time or kind of has it been this, this mutual or this general feeling kind of since since the, the business began back in 1979? 
certainly has evolved. And I would say it's more, it's even evolved a lot in the last couple of years. Um, I'm kind of sorry to say, because I wish I would have implemented some of the strategies that I have now mm-hmm. earlier. I've been saying that all my whole life, right? If you, if I could have learned things faster. Um, so read my chapter, maybe you can learn a couple of things faster than I did. Uh, but um, we have gotten, we're ahead of the game when it comes to compensation. We, uh, we don't have employees asking us for raises because they were pleasantly supply, surprised with the, with the raise they just got, the promotion they got. I don't want to say surprised, but they, they felt like they never had to ask because the company was sharing, the company was uh, taking them along for the ride, and they were, mm-hmm. they were happy with their uh, promotional growth and, and also um, how much they were making. And so it starts with our policy of transparency, which I think has always been more or less there as well. But once again, I've gotten deep dives where every single month we talk about how much money we made. And it's it's really problematic, no question about it. People say to me, don't you feel weird about telling them that you made money or lost money? And um, I certainly feel um, something about it. I certainly sometimes think, like for instance, we're, we're making good money right now, but I have to always put it in context that we had a tough winter and right. we may have a tough winter again and what we're going to do with the money that we just made. And um, but at the same time, they need to be getting raises and promotions and bonuses along the way. Otherwise, the company's making money uh, for itself and we don't want them to think that. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I I think the transparency is fantastic. I mean, it's also for a lot of folks, it's educational and understanding what it takes to run a business and their yeah. compensation is just a small piece of the puzzle at the end of the yep. day. There's a yeah, lot I mean, of- so, I mean, just to be real quick about it, because this is the way contractors like to think. It's the way I thought for years. I used to, I used to double the average wage of all my painters and double it and figure that was uh, the rest would cover overhead and profit. And that is not enough. Uh, you need to triple at least triple the average wage of your field worker to have a shot at being able to run a good business. Um, obviously, how big your overhead is definitely impacts that. Right. But you'll never be able to really grow and provide and build the kind of company I think that you want if you're not charging um, enough money to be able to pay these wages. So literally our direct labor cost is managed at 35%. Okay. Basically a third. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the number I look at. If that number is changing, then I can't give out raises and bonuses, or at least I have to stop increasing. I have to start thinking about getting the revenue up and or the pricing up. Right. So one of the things about the last few years is we've been able to charge customers and give raises. And those two things um, pretty much lockstep. If you you can't give raises if you can't charge customers more. And uh, we've been able to do that. Um, and so right now we're sitting for the year at 35%. And I actually have pay, um, I actually have price increases already in the in the queue that one for August um, that will raise our rates to customers again. And therefore my 35% will, um, Allow will go down and allow me to still continue to give pay increases. And yesterday, I was happy to see that the um, 
some inflation numbers came out and inflation looks like it's tamed down. So maybe we can stop raising prices so much <laughs> and stop raising wages quite so much. But over the last few years, there's been a big acceleration in what um, our, our people make. Um, and I feel deservedly so. I'm happy if we could start, slow it down right now, I'm happy that we've been able to give pay increases, significant quality of life increases to um, the people that do the work, the painters in our case, they do the work. Um, and it has always been a really tough business to make a to, to make a living in, to have this living wage, this family living wage. Right. And I don't know what it is right now, but it's somewhere around 40, 50,000 a year. And then there has to be a spouse partner that is also making something similar to be able to raise a couple of children and and maybe buy a house and all the stuff that we're looking to have is American dream. Right. If we can't provide that, then we don't, we're going to always struggle. We want to make sure we can provide all the things that, that the middle class life, the middle-class lifestyle promises, you know, health insurance and, and a retirement plan, um, big stuff, a lot of, a lot of work, but that's why you got to charge three times the amount of your, Feel right, because you got to be able to, to to have that that compensation level there that helps to attract employees to want to work with you in a in a time where recruiting has been really difficult and yep. um, not only just recruiting it itself, but recruiting in this industry has continuously been a struggle. Yep. So uh, there has, and I've seen it with you, but also a lot of other organizations that we work with. There's been a really big you know shift towards showing kind of the the bigger picture of what a, a a career in the trades could look like from a lot of different angles, that compensation kind of ladder being a part of it, but also the management and leadership skills that can come from it. And which is a lot of what you guys um, incorporate into um, showing opportunities for growth at, you know, within different departments at, at your company. Um, you know, maybe we'll jump into to the field first because field compensation is often a, a, a big topic amongst the, you know, the, the clients that we work with and, you know, where should you be starting apprentice level one? What are, what are you paying crew leaders? What are you paying field supervisors? That's always a question that comes up, you know, of course it's very, it's a regional question. Um, you know, where you live impacts a lot of, uh, the, the living, you know, the the living wage, of course, but it's also about providing opportunities for growth. And you guys have done a really great job at Nolan painting with that. Give us a little bit of an insight, um, in that world. Well, so it really stems from transparency again. So um, we're, we're playing a game. Um, we're going to have profit at the end. And we tell our people there's going to be profit. Five to 10% profit is what we're shooting for. Okay. And now it's a game. And here's the matrix. And here's how you, here's how, how you fit in it. And here's your opportunities in it. So we publish everything. We publish wages, what you make in each category, what benefits are available, uh, we've really worked on the matrix. It's been painstaking, but you know we lay out what you get at one year, what you get at two years, and then you have to you have to publish that. That has to be seen in the world and seen by people looking for jobs, and also by people in your own company. Um, like you've heard me talk about the fact that I don't want um, any drama in the company, um, but our drama. Right. So I don't want somebody saying, oh, uh, you 
I hear Joe makes, you know, $27 an hour and um, I'm only making 24 and I'm, I'm the one that does all the painting on this job. And um, if someone has that type of backstory going on in their mind, um, it's pretty simple. You can be a job leader and make $27 an hour too. Um, right. and, and here's how you do it. Um, do not complain to me about it. You need to follow the program that we have laid out. So when, it, when you do it like that, it makes it very easy not to get involved in any, any of that drama. Um, we basically, we, you know, we have these categories, A1, A2, P1, P2, painter one, painter two, um, apprentice one, apprentice two, and then we have master painter and all those rates are published, you know, 16, uh, 20, 18, 20, um, 22, $25 an hour. That's all published out there. And as soon as you do all the necessary tasks and get and score, um, on our learning paths, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll promote you. We're not, uh, and so the other thing is, is um, we're we're very progressive. We're looking at them um, on a monthly basis. Every employee gets looked at on a monthly basis a um, in a meeting, picture up on the screen. Mm -hmm. When was the last time they got a raise? When did they start here? Um, when was the last time they opened up their learning paths, which is the the training program we use, and, and where is the status in these learning paths? Um, in our system, you have to have at least four stars out of five in all the categories in your in your learning path. So um, they need to be doing those things, um, but we understand that they may not be focusing on that, so we are. So we're reaching out to them and to their, and to their job leader, and we're saying, get going on those learning paths. If you want a raise, if you want him to get a raise, you got to get going those learning paths. And so that means we're pushing the system. We're not reacting to things. So who uh, who is a part of that meeting just for for clarity? So that would be the um, our field manager, which, by the way, we're um, I'm trying to move the name to regional operational manager. Um, as I mentioned to you the other day, um, that has attracted more candidates when we apply. They seem much more interested in the in the name regional operational manager, and it might really explain to the world what they do. They run the whole region and they run lots of teams. Yeah. Right? So that field manager, re regional operational manager, uh, that person is in charge of, you know, uh, the whole team. But through that hierarchy, they have a number of crew leaders reporting to them, a number of job leaders reporting to them. OK. Um, they do not have apprentices reporting to them, right? They don't even have yep. painters necessarily reporting to them. So uh, chain of command, uh, cascading communication. Mm -hmm. So we meet with, uh, with vice president of operations, president and myself, um, CFO, because there's always money involved. And we review and we promote on that monthly meeting. It happens every Wednesday, right after our operations meeting. We, we pop up a person on the screen, we look at their picture, um, and then we look at all the information about them, and then we make some decision, okay? So is, is it safe to say that every Wednesday that there's some promotion happening based upon who you're reviewing? Pretty much, yeah. Um, cool. Some weeks more than others, and uh, we, um, you know, we had a little lull, but now we're back at it again. 
Uh, we just had a, yesterday we had the meeting. I think uh, I think six out of the thirteen people got raises in that team. Wow! So it would be the <clears throat> second raises for them this year, and it was actually not. Um, in most cases, it was not the apprentices because they're on a program. It was the upper levels that we were trying to make sure that um, we were uh, staying ahead of as well. So uh, we're hitting new heights, um, you know, $30 an hour for um, a crew leader, plus the benefit program, which is um, about another 18000 a year. So that's a lot of money. It so that's great. I mean, that is great. And we're making money. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be progressive on this. Um, one of the key takeaways that I hope I get to, uh, I mean, I hope I communicate effectively is that you have to find top performers. Um, you, you, it's, it's so tough, you know, it's so tough to find. I tell this to even crew leaders who have it cycle through their, you know, they have turnover at their level. They have, they have people they hire that we hire that work with them. And after so many periods of time, they leave some good, some not good, mm -hmm. but it's, it's struggle. It's a struggle, right? It's a struggle to build these teams. Um, but you can't give up. You can never, ever give up that you won't be able to attract good people. And I always say, I have. I mean, I've been able to attract good people, but believe me, it has been really hard over a lot of years. But most of the people listening to this call have been successful at building teams. So therefore, it is not impossible and do not have negative self-talk around that. It just means you got to work harder, go through more people and scale up. Yep. And we were saying earlier, kind of before we were, we were recording here, also setting the expectations that four you have four people starting on, on Monday, but only two might show up. That's possible. And not not getting the, the belly punch to it right. you know, about it yeah. every, every Monday morning, recognizing that this is just what happens and you got to work a little bit harder to so get. The only question you can ask yourself is, what can I do better? Yeah. And find some kind of a system that you can improve and find a way to make a lever change, change one lever, change one piece of your system so that that you can hopefully improve that um, whatever the, whatever the numbers are, people that are applying for jobs and people that are actually showing up the day of um, mm -hmm. that um, is it's exhausting. Um, but you know, lots of things are exhausting and the word exhausting has all this negative connotation about it. So don't call it that. Um, call it call it rigorous. I like yeah. the word rigorous. Um, that's what we talk about in organizational muscle. Um, you build muscle. You don't you don't basically sit in atrophy and do nothing about it. You have to go out and find a new way to create the results you want. Mm -hmm. And um, so, any rate, we're we're doing these reviews. We're making the raises. We're um, we're constantly evaluating how we're doing against our direct labor costs, so that we're not overspending. Um, how does pay for performance come into play here, um, especially when so it comes incidentally, to we just raised pay for performance. So what I I tried it out. I in the interim, I tried, uh, we gave some raises in the spring and then we raised pay for, pay for performance so that the points went up in value. Um, so now a, a painter makes $800 a month if his team uh, hits the goals. And um, I think a, a job leader makes, um, I think 1,200 and a crew leader makes 1,500 a month. Um, is this on top of their base pay? 
Yeah, that's 18,000 a year. And so top performers make it every month, every single month they make it. We did have a tough month, um, two months in January and February where it, some did, a lot of them didn't make it, but some did, uh, still some made it. Um, we, um, we do ask, this is the, when I say some make it, the main qualifier uh, is that you have to work 44 hours a month. Um, it turns out that's been a, a, a really good thing because that's the extra that you have to, uh, you 44 have to work 44 hours a month. Hours or a month. Or uh, a week. 44 hours a week, I'm sorry, okay. for the month. Okay. They have to do an extra four hours of overtime. So you get the time and a half. Um, but that's the first qualifier. And then there's four points. And in the case of a painter, each point's worth $200. And if the team hits these four, four categories, um, which are revenue, the, the team revenue goal, uh, customer service score, uh, productivity number, 100%. Jobs have to come in throughout the course of the month on time, average with the, with the good ones and the bads. And then finally, a safety score uh, past the inspection process that we have our safety inspector doing every month. Um, teams hit it every month. Uh, revenue has been problematic, obviously, with some teams who have a hard time um with their turnover so yeah. that's part of the thing too so that's the only point that i think folks missed uh one team missed that this month but every other team was four for four which means they all hit those numbers i just told you about and the team that was uh missed the revenue number they were three for four so they got six hundred dollars okay. um, or nine hundred dollars or or whatever the next number twelve hundred dollars so that's good money it's still really good money and it, it's a game changer and basically, it's enough to um, pay for a car payment, um, yeah. a lot of way towards a mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, it, and really, you know, we did have a couple of tough months in January. And um, I, I know that all of the management lost out on pay for performance. And a lot, a lot of the field did, too. Some of them hit it, but it was weak. And so they're, they're, it really self-corrected. We had a tough took a couple tough months. We didn't have enough work and we were slow January and February. Um, and it's self-corrected. And therefore we didn't lose a ton of money. So those pay for performance um you know uh, items, the revenue, customer service, productivity, yeah. safety, those are applied to the field, but also applied as the pay for performance items for the man management team as well. So the management team has a few others, but revenue is sort of universal. Okay. Um, in the case of uh, management, we'd be looking at revenue um, and profit uh, largely, uh, but then we have a few other areas that we focus on depending upon um, the individual. So, um, so for instance, I also, uh, so I get points, I'm paid by points, I get a salary and I get paid as do other, everybody else in management for hitting these points. So we're really public about it. Um, so I get points for hitting, in addition to revenue and profit, I get points for hitting uh, phone calls or, or leads, not actually phone calls, but estimates okay. scheduled. Okay. So I have a target there. Um, the marketing person also has that target and also the front office that answer the phones, they have that target. So we share that target, uh, that goal, that point. If we, yeah. all, we don't share the point, but we each get a point for that if we hit it. Um, I also have feet in the street targets, which also uh, the HR department has. 
So we're working as a team there. Um, our CFO has um, material costs. He has a number that he has to hit on material costs. If he hits less than 10% material costs, he gets a bonus. So does the um, material resource manager, basically our shop guy. He, uh, he gets a point for that. So we try to make teams around points so that we're yeah. all together. I really like that because it, it's it's really it's bringing together different people from different departments to really yeah. try to drive a goal forward. So it's not just relying on the shoulders of one or two. Well, like I say, if you get it right, if you get it right, then everything starts to manage itself. Like it becomes much easier. But getting it right is no small task. You have to spend yeah. a lot of time on it. Yeah. And like I said, everything is published. I can't say that again. Important enough. You have to publish this stuff because if you don't. It's like the rules of the game. So I remember like playing like Monopoly and then like someone would say, you can't do that. And we'd get the rules of the game out and we read the rules of the game. And it says yeah. something weird about like, I didn't know it said that in the rules of the game. So part of the rules of the game that, that Michael Gerber talks about in the E-Myth is it must be written down. And then beyond that, it must be like dated and published. And um so just to go on with the sales folks again, because the sales folks are, um, so like I said, they're a whole different breed, right? Right. Um, we're, we're arguing about money all the time. <laughs> and uh, we're actually having a big argument right now. That's going to, that, um, I say argument, that's called conflict and it's not bad. It's what um, Peter Lencioni talks about in Five Dysfunctions of a Team. You have to have conflict around things. You need to be debating and discussing and considering alternative points of view. So um, so it's okay to have conflict. Um, just make sure that we learn how to have healthy conflict. Right. right. Sometimes that means walking away when um, emotions run high. So, and coming back to it on another day or pause reflecting and choosing and not saying what you think because you know that might create, um, you know, a negative reaction than the other person. And you don't want that. You, no. Particularly as a leader, you're supposed to be the one in charge of all this. So um, anyway, one of the ways I do that is I've always had John Meyer, my president, and he was vice president of sales for many years. I've always had him do the negotiating with the sales guys because it pissed me off because of that greed thing I was telling you about. <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God, these guys make so much money and they're still not happy. You know? Right, um, right. But that's not true. It's really, like I said before, it's a different mindset. And it's important that I don't um, pollute that with any of my thinking. So, um, but yeah, we're constantly moving around. So some of the things we talk about in sales. So I do a different sales model than I think is typical for, uh, I do not pay a percentage of sales. We base everything on a cookbook. We need to do a million dollars in the month of January. We need to divide that up among the teams. So the cookbook for the teams, that's where the revenue number for the teams came from. Mm -hmm. And then the cookbook for the salesperson. Now there's a time delay, but let's leave it out for the moment. Um, in other words, jobs aren't sold and done the same time. But, right. But let's, we need a million dollars for the sales for, for January. Then I need the six salespeople in the field to do that. So divide it up, you know, six times divided by a million, everybody gets their allocation. Um, we'll adjust that allocation based upon experience, uh, repeat business, just sales. I mean, obviously, 
Jim and, and uh, Chris Nolan are hitting bigger numbers. They've been at it a while now. Mm-hmm. Alex is a newer salesperson. His is slightly lower. Um, Kevin Dobson and uh, Todd are in our outward territories where it's, it's a tougher sale. Right. The brand yeah. is not as well known. It's growing yeah. into those you areas. Yep. Right. But they're so still we're making adjustments fight. and yeah. therein lies all these conversations, right? Yeah. But we're making adjustments. Um, but ultimately we're looking at um, a quota that they must hit. And so then we give them a point, points are worth $800 to them. And we give them a number of points for hitting their quota. I think it might be three at the moment. So okay. you hit your quota, you get $2,400. Now, in addition to selling jobs, there's a few other things that we find important that we need to sell people to get right. These need to be um, good jobs, high paying jobs that we can make money on. So we also give out points for sales rate, the rate that they sold it at. So they might get two points for that. Um, so they might get $1,600 for selling it at the approved rate, $90 an hour, maybe in the winter it's 75 or 85 an hour. But, you know, right now we're trying to have our, um, we're trying to sell exteriors at, uh, and we're selling them at uh, $105 an hour, which is really high. Yeah. Um, But we bring a lot to the table. Um, You know, we have high reaches and we have safety managers and we have a lot of supervision and material resource managers and nobody's in paint stores. And we don't tell people 105 an hour. We tell them we'll do this job in 10 hours and it's, and we give them the number and they agree to it, but it, but it must work out to be this new rate. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's not enough hours in the job, you know, we've had this thing called pushback and that's where the team can say, Hey, you didn't charge enough money for this job, but anyway, sales rates important. So we focus on that. A couple other things that we might focus on, but not necessarily now. We're not necessarily focusing on it now, but we've at different points over the years, we've made this a priority. Um, close rates. So, you know, if you're marketing and you're spending a lot of money on marketing, a lead has an expense associated with it. And some percentage of that, that the jobs, you know, we like to think that we're going to close more than 50% of leads that come into normal painting. Uh, we track it, but we do not incentivize it right now. Um, as a matter of fact, I want them to turn away work that doesn't fit our profile. So uh, I do not focus on it as a priority at the interesting. moment. Yeah. Well, that's um, interesting. So you can, you're at different times of the year or different within different years, you're changing what it is that you are allocating points to. Yes, trying to change it without changing the rules on a regular basis. So okay. being cognizant that you can't just change rules. Um, so right now we're having an argument about next year. Like we're talking about the fact that I do not want to credit. Um, I don't want to say I, I, that means I was taking a personal opinion of the matter. Mm-hmm. I, we don't, we're trying to figure out a way not to take, have them take credit for exterior work they sell in January towards their quota, um, which we've been doing. We've been giving them exterior sales. So, oh, they sold over a million dollars in January already, but mm-hmm. some of it was exterior and couldn't be performed at, at that time. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So the sales guys are pushing back. But at the same time, you want exteriors at this high rate that you can schedule for the spring so you have a backlog. 
so you can keep your prices up later when you can charge against the backlog. Um, but um, in order for um, me to make that change in January, I, we need to fight about it now and figure out what kind of a system we're going to do. That uh, makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And incidentally, I want it to be a win-win. I want them to hit their quota. I really, really do. But I also, we need to have a better winner than we had last winter. And we can't have just the sales guys hitting their quota. And that's what happened. Um, and incidentally, when I told you about my points, um, and maybe it's maybe I have that salesperson in me, nobody complained more about not hitting um, our PFP numbers in January and February than me. I actually, I can speak to this because I recall you really being upset about it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, it, it well, was, it was, I count it was, December, it ended up costing me about 20 grand over the three months. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was beside myself. Um, and uh, mostly because I realized that uh, my lifestyle would have to change if I, if I didn't um, either hit PFP numbers or stop or uh, cut my spending. Um, you know, I was looking at my monthly payments and I was like, I, if I don't hit PFP, I'm in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't keep saving for retirement the way I was, you know, all that. So anyway, um, but that the point is, is that um, I suffered like everybody else did. I actually suffered more, maybe not, maybe not relatively, but I mm -hmm. financially suffered more. Um, and um, I went about fixing the problem because that's what you have to do. You have to fix problems. You can't, yeah. you can't just complain about them. Um, I, that complaining was negative, negative, and I, I'm not proud of it. Uh, <laughs> so. But it just shows um, that kind of no matter where you're at in the company, everybody is tied to similar goals in some way, maybe not all the same exact goals, but that there is when issues arise, when problems happen, everyone's got to be involved in some way. It's not yeah. just sales issue. It's not just the field's issue. It's not just the management's issue. It's everybody's issue. Yes. Well, and that that's why the transparency is so important. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't do that, so we have this big board in our building. And I, I, I'm not going to say that every painter sees it. I take everybody through it at orientation. And I tell them if they want to come back and look at this board, they can anytime. And I'm sure they don't, mostly because this stuff doesn't turn them on that much. But we know we have this, this, you know, I think it's a 23 foot long wall yeah. that is got white numbers. It's got a whiteboard that we painted. We painted the wall white and we have it's divided up into lines and we have um, all of this is published. It's all published. What, we're, what we need to do the month of, what we need to do the next month and what sales has to do and how much they sold and what that team did. It's all published. The live and scoreboard. It makes it so much easier when you publish it. And um, if you're making obscene amounts of money in the business, you have to share it with your employees. Otherwise, they're not going to buy into the game. I mean, it's the way it's common sense. Um, and if you're losing money in the business, and I sure have, you have to tell the story and you have to share that pain and you have to come up with solutions. It's like you just said. And so I just find the transparency. So it's hard to do when you think about it from the big perspective, but just starting to get your head around how you would do it is the name of the game, you know? And it is, there's a lot of subtleties. Like we don't publish a range of wages. Uh, we publish the wage base. So um, that way we're not locked in quite as much. So I can give a raise to somebody and maybe, maybe they bumped out of a range for a split second while we were readjusting our ranges. 
So we have internal ranges, but what they see is painters make $20 an hour. That's the base. Painter level two makes 22 an hour. You know, they, that's what they see. And we can then continue to promote. Um, and then we have to move that scale up. And we've done that three or four times over the last couple of years. So um, um, publishing, what we're publishing to the world, and I thought I would just share this, is that if you start in our company with no experience and you're young and you have no experience um, and you might have be a little bit of work experience, um, you could be just fresh out of, out of high school, but you have a little bit of work experience, meaning you worked in the summers mm -hmm. um, because we're not going to hire if you've got no work experience. So at any rate, you've got some and we'll start at 16 an hour. And um, within 90 days, in the first three months, we will uh, give you a promotion, $2 promotion. So um, you're going to get uh, to 18 an hour now in 90 days. And you're getting um, health insurance that is, um, we pay about 85% of it. Um, dental, uh, you're actually paying most of your dental, mm -hmm. uh, but it's there. Um, you're going to get, um, PTO, um, you're gonna, you got PTO already, you got um, one week. After one year, you get two weeks. That was recently changed. We, we were two weeks immediately. Now we just, we dialed that back, grandfathered mm -hmm. a couple of people in. And, um, but now you get uh, two weeks after one year, but um, one year you're getting a week PTO. Um, after one year, you're getting paid holidays. Um, you're getting a 401k at that 90 day mark with the ability to co contribute with a Nolan painting match. Um, then within, um, within one year, you know, you'll receive two raises and you'll be at $20 an hour. So now after one year, $20 an hour, health, dental, two weeks paid um, off, uh, five paid holidays, 401k match. Um, that's as fast a trajectory as, as it really is. It beats retail, it beats the... Yeah food service industry. It actually beats most craftsmen um, one year, 16 to $20 an hour. Um, that's published everywhere so that we have it out in the world. And yeah, I'd say that's part of, um, that's huge from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, you got to pay to play in, in the in the job market um, yeah. and try to get people in the door. So, And like I, I've said over and over again, I would rather not compete for painters. I'd rather grow them. So we're not competing for people at the upper end who have maybe um, some false sense of their value. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, we're basically looking to grow our own people. And that's really the best way to do it. It takes time. But after all these years, we've grown everybody. We've added an occasional painter here and there uh, from the outside world. But um, And then as they advance into different levels, job leader, crew leader, I mean, yep. there's other benefits that come with it. As exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, then we've, and it's all published again, job leaders, you know, they, they get an increase in their PFP. Um, they're getting a gas allowance of hundred dollars a week. They're getting a phone allowance. Um, and then, um, you know, they're just getting a lot, a lot of autonomy mm -hmm. because we do not, um, micromanage folks. Um, we communicate really effectively and then we practice decentralized command, which means um, you've been taught how to do it. You do it. If you need help, if we can support. Um, I mean, obviously we have super supervisors and safety supervisors, but um, really a lot of autonomy for the, the job leader. 
to uh, run the job and do it their way. So, and then, you know, we, we move up to the crew leader and they're getting a truck and um, they're getting increase in pay for performance and another week's vacation. And we've started to, uh, you know, really try to make these jobs because these are your top folks and they're, you really have to find good people and reward them and keep them around. They're different than the, 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 the difference between the, the, the C player and the A player is dramatic. So make okay. sure that, that they, that they know you love them and that, that, uh, anything you can do to help them succeed. You know, we've got lots of other things that we do in terms of giving people, uh, loans and disappearing loans to buy houses, uh, disappearing loans to buy cars. Um, disappearing loan is a loan that if you stay with the company for a period of time, the, we do, you do not have to pay the loan back. And we've, uh, we've, done i don't know we probably do 20 of those a year or something wow. it might be a little bit of an exaggeration but 10 or 20 a year um and it, it creates a, a good way a good helping hand mm-hmm. well, so. i think i mean important to note you're a decent size organization now and it's taken probably quite some time to be able to provide all of these benefits at different levels you know to your employees but recognizing you know for our listeners out there who are either you know in management in a business or a small business owner taking taking steps towards achieving what it is that you'd like to well, be able to provide to your employees. Yeah, you've huge. seen it yourself though, you know, through working with Nolan Consulting Group and and Summit, we've seen contractors take best practices like the ones we just talked about. Yep. And implement them at at four times as fast as I did. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it took me 40 years, agreeable. That's, I know, and, you know, we have 150 employees right now and it's taken years to get here. But I've, I've watched, I've watched uh, people in the Nolan Consulting Group Summit members grow um, in half or a fraction of the time um, that uh, it took us to do it. Just by, by knowing what the pathway looked like, not having right. to, to exactly. figure it out always, just looking at some of the best practices. And, you know, one of the great things that I think we do in the Nolan Consulting Group is we don't tell people this is the way they have to do it. We just show them some successful pathways right. that have worked and allow the entrepreneur to choose the one or some version of the one, a hybrid version of the one that works best for them. Absolutely. So. And it, it shows the importance of having a solid understanding of your financials too, because you need to know what these things cost and what you can afford, not only now, but in the future to be able to provide these benefits. So it all comes back to the numbers at the yeah. end of the day. Well, if we will probably do a money chapter because I have the chapter on money um, coming up after this. Um, and, um, you know, I sort off that chapter saying that um, if you're not good at numbers, you need to get out of business or, or figure out how to get good at numbers. Because you you can't operate a business if you're not good at numbers. It's like being blind trying to you know run the woods. It's just it's going to get you killed. So you have to figure it out. And figuring it out might mean hiring good people and sitting down and and learning it with them. You don't have to be the wizard, but you have to have a wizard and you have to understand what the wizard's doing. Totally. Which is what I did. Yes. Um, but yeah, there's you have to get the numbers right. Um, or you can't do any of the things I just talked about. Isn't it trust, but validate or something along those lines? Yeah, trust that who you hired- But also understand because the, to, the CEO or the, is driving it. That, you know, the CFO or the money person is not driving it. They're, they're, just, they're just like reading the map. So 
so you have you don't have to necessarily be great at reading the map, but you have to be the one driving everything, which is to ultimately know um, where you're going and um, knowing the numbers is just critical. Um, Speaking of CEO, CFO, in our last few minutes here, I want to make sure that we do hit, um, you know, management team and some compensation stru structure around that. Um, I know you've you've done things pretty intentionally um, with your management team and uh, give us a little bit, and you've maybe shared that a little bit on previous episodes, um, but but yeah. bring us into the fold here, how, how it, it interplays yeah, with so compensation. We have a deferred compensation plan. Um, that I like to think of as cascading. We use that word a lot, cascading, because I yep. see life that way, right? Um, it's a cascading deferred compensation plan. Um, and so, and there's lots of different versions that you could make up. Um, ultimately, you should run it by an attorney because people make claims against compensation plans. Mm. Uh, but basically, it's a promise uh, to your key people that um, you're going to pay them a certain amount deferred down the road, right? So um, what we've done is we've, we've built these, these bank accounts and um, people have heard me say this, um, we're broke every Monday. Every Monday after we made all the deposits into those accounts and we've made payroll on Friday and everything in the accounts has been paid out, we're broke. So we're hungry and we're collecting receivables and we're knocking on doors. So, but at any rate, um, this deferred compensation plan is we have right now we have um i guess we have two lined up i'll have a third shortly but we had one already pay out so i i called them uh ea1 ea2 ea3 ea4 so uh equity account number one equity account number two equity account number three mm -hmm. so uh equity account matured um about two years ago it was a promise that i was going to pay my top people a chunk of money at a certain on top date. of their base and pay PFP that they already received, this is yep. kind of an, an extended bonus that is mm -hmm. coming um, on a deferred compensation plan. Yep. And uh, it paid out and it was a chunk of money uh, that everybody got, including me. Mm -hmm. And um, the next one will pay out uh, September 21st, 2026. And uh, a couple of key folks, COO and the CFO, are both retiring then. Um, and the CFO, Steve, is talking about uh, coming back on a part-time basis, which I'm quite happy about. <laughs> um, but at any rate, uh, so we want them we want them to stay and be happy and be rewarded and yep. put in a big effort and build that account. They that money has to be there to be divided up. So we have to work really hard to make those payments. Right. So we're broke every Monday after we made those payments, but you know, we we're paying ourselves first, so to speak. Um so then there's another one that'll that'll that's building already. Um, so we have a certain amount that goes in um, EA2 and a certain amount that's going into EA3 every single week. Um, and it, it's it's a little painful. Like literally, if we're not making a profit, we can't even make the deposit deposits because you can only, I mean, we're basically depositing profits, right? Right. Some of them, not all of them. I mean, some of them are being invested in the company other ways, but Clearly, I'm using some of the profits to pay my management team to stay on and run this company while I'm gone, even. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it really just makes sense. And um, once again, I don't have greedy people. I'm not greedy, but we're still going to do really well and reward them. And they're all going to be millionaires. So I will all, I have been, been taking them along for the ride. It's got to feel good to be able to. Know. 
to yeah. uh, reward and pay your long-term uh, management team that's been around, been around with you for a very long time. They've been through the ups and the downs. Yeah. They've been on the COVID lifeboat. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's. Been- well, and in reality, they've made life easier for me because yeah. it's a really hard business and they've made it a lot easier. So, yeah. All right. One more question for you, because I know this sure. always comes up to um, the role of overtime. How does that play into the field world? Personnel. Yeah. The field. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm glad I got a chance to talk about that. I know it's a little bit of a non sequitur, but so I, I've written in my book and I believe that success begins at 40. And um, and I and I and I also talk about life balance a lot, but mm-hmm. success begins at 40. And I don't mean age. Mm-hmm. I mean, hours. So. 40 hours is like a benchmark of, I don't want to say mediocrity because it's, I'm not saying that, but it's, 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 it's just like we're, we're, you know, you're, you're going to hit this, the median standard to really be successful in the world. You have to go further and work harder. (laughs) And it, so that's why 44 hours creates, gets you eligible for the PFP program. Um, We just, to create that little extra effort, that, that little extra drive, um, we think is important. And um, being willing, be willing to put in the extra hour, two hour, half hour, 15 minutes. You're just not, you're getting the job done and you're going to do whatever it takes. So at any rate, um, we encourage and promote 44 hours a week for everybody. They will get time and a half for that. Okay. Yes, that increases your your field payroll. That's a good thing. Anytime you can get more money in somebody's pocket, that's a good thing. If you don't get more money in their pocket, they'll leave to where they can get it. So that's a good thing. But beyond that, um, you're actually going to be more profitable. Um, When we're cranking out and hitting big revenue numbers, we're the most profitable. And the reason is, is because the overhead is somewhat fixed. Um, You know, the office is closed on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Nobody's in there. I'm not paying any extra to have those folks there, right? I'm not paying any extra for marketing that day. Um, I'm not paying any anything extra for some of the fixed, you know, normal monthly costs, right? Um, and yet, the, the they're bringing in more more revenue at our hourly rate. So none of it has to contribute to the overhead. It, it contributes to them. They get time and a half, and the rest of it drops to the bottom line as profit. So, um, yeah, overtime is huge. I think you need to encourage it. Um, and um, but having said that, we are careful not to be judgmental. Um, it's hard, but we're not judgmental. If you don't want to work uh, forty-four hours a week, um, we can't look down upon you. You will miss out on this tremendous opportunity. But we're taking people where they're coming. Some of them have valid reasons. Mm-hmm. Some of their reasons are uh, may not be valid to me, but are valid to them. You know, um, so we do look for um, that balance, particularly with our supervisors that say, "What do you mean you're not working Saturday? Come on, that's not that's not what this is about. This is this is about you, you and yourself. You worry about yourself. Yeah. And success begins at forty for you, um, and you're going to be able to uh, well. In the, in the case of, um, you know, of a, of a painter, not only are they going to get um, the uh, time and a half for the extra four hours a week, um, times 52 weeks a year or 50 weeks a year, uh, but they're going to collect the 
uh, pay for performance, which is going to be $800 a month or $10,000 a year, roughly. So um, big, big money in this, right? Because we've yeah. rewarded this extra few hours. Yeah. So for those who are driven for to for more money or for uh, to, to grow in the career ladder, the opportunity is there. Well, and at the end of the day, um, only 40 to 50% of the field take advantage of it. Interesting. The other 40 to 50% work less than 44 hours. Um, but I've just figured out a way, that's a way to reward the top performers. Just going to say, there's, there, well, there, the top performers are self-selecting. Exactly. Yeah. So if you get the game right, it, it just plays itself. Plays itself. Got to gamify the system. Well, Kev, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Um, a reminder to those, you can follow organization. Well, both Kevin and Org Muscle on um, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Threads, on TikTok. Um, Org Muscle is the name of the handle. There's lots being shared every day, um, and the book coming out September first. Oh, thanks so much, Molly. Yeah. Peace. All right, Kev. Until next time. Thank you, and uh, we will be connecting soon on the next chapter. All right, everybody. Build muscle. Build muscle. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.